When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Eden Road podcast where on tonight's show we're going to be going over the defeat to Arsenal last Saturday at the GTEC. If you haven't already listened to our special episode with Brentford Hall of Famers Sam Saunders and Marcus Gale, please go do so now that episode is live across all of our digital platforms and it's received some really good feedback so far so thanks for that and yeah go, go and check it out. Joining me tonight are my trusty co-host Craig and Callum. Craig, nice flag mate, bit of decor for the pod, how you doing mate? <laughs> <laughs> yes, mate. I think a lot of people will love this. I'm tempted to move out of the way so people can see it. A bit of controversy from the worst kit ever made. Maybe. <laughs> it's all right. What an atrocity, honestly. What an absolute <laughs> atrocity. Honestly. Those... You paid money for that flag, Craig. I have absolutely nothing to say on this matter. A few, a few people will remember this from games... Like Arsenal, uh, that cup game against Arsenal. A few people Ooh. will remember this. It Judge got free kick. Last bit of a it was just a bit of a bit of a bit of a laugh a bit of a joke that kit was so we had to make light of it <laughs> yeah for those for those listening on uh, spotify or apple wherever you get your podcast craig has hung up a brentford flag in his room uh and it's like a an ode to the jaffa cake the infamous jaffa cake kit of a few we years can, ago we can... We can upload a picture onto the socials. So oh, I will. It. Yeah, I'll get a picture on the socials so you can see it. But I did. I, Craig asked me before. He said we need a bit of Brentford background, and he's got a few flags. And I said go with the one that will cause the most controversy. So he's gone for the Jaffa cake flag. Uh, and if also if you heard him, Callum in the background. Callum, all good, mate. Been a while. I'm all well. Good to be back, everyone. Good to be back. Good stuff. Just before we get going, guys, remember if you haven't listened to the podcast before, please do go and subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channels. Leave a rating as well. And also give us a follow on our socials. That's at the Eden Road on Twitter and at Eden Road Pod on Instagram. Let's just get straight into Arsenal then. Callum, not the result we were after last week, but I thought we we did hold our own against what looks like will be a title-challenging Arsenal side. Massively. I mean, yeah, you know, Arsenal are up there for a reason with the with the, the, the players, the, the calibre of players they have in their team. Um, bar a few opportunities, I think they had, you know, they really didn't offer too much, to be honest with you. You know, they had that go in the first half disallowed, which was a bit lucky for us with, with how it was disallowed. Um, but I think there was such an improvement from when we played them at home last year when, you know, they came to our place and absolutely annihilated us on that Sunday afternoon, so that 3-0 loss. So lots of positives from the game. Of course, disappointed with the fashion of the lateness of that goal. But we have, you know, we have games like that. It's always going to happen across the season. And, you know, those top teams always seem to just pick that bit of brilliance out and get that late goal. So frustrating, but a good performance all around. Plenty of positives. 
hundred percent. I think it's good that you mentioned the fact that those teams do have that little bit of magic in. I mean, against the top six so far, I don't think we've played badly in any of the games. Spurs could have gone either way. Liverpool, I know it was three nil, but again, another another strong performance. United, we all know what happened at United. I don't want to talk about that. But um, yeah, no, it was a good performance. Craig, you echoing that? Yes, mate, 100%. I don't really think I've got anything to add to that. Yeah, yeah, it, it was... Uh, got to put it back myself, boys. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> got to talk about the lineup first before we get into some of the specific games. Surprise inclusion for Yarmo. I'm just going to call him Yarmo from now on because I, I can't, I don't want to butcher his surname any longer. But we, we spoke about it on the last pod. We wanted him to start. We didn't think it would happen. But with Jensen's injury, he makes his, not his debut, but he makes his kind of first big start you get you get in uh, when you play one of the top six. And I thought he did really, really well against, like you mentioned, Callum, a world-class midfield with Declan Rice, who I thought was absolutely running the show for Arsenal and has been doing so for basically the whole season since he signed. Um, what impressed you about his performance, Craig? Because I know you're a big fan. Yeah, I mean, like you just mentioned, last week we spoke about him um, and we said that we think he'll start. And I said, yeah, I think he'll be given an opportunity to start. The, the cameos that he's had against like Liverpool stands out, Chelsea stands out. The, the cameos that he's had have been very, very impressive. And, and I have to admit, maybe I'm forgetting a few people, but he looks like that B-team player that's come through to, to the first team that will actually progress into the first team and onwards because he's just got so much potential. Yeah, I hope it's not another situation like Bidstrap because I think, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, he kind of had a similar pattern in the fact that he made a few sub cameos here and there. He started a couple of games and then for whatever reason we decided to sell him. But 100% agree. He was... He did not look out of place in that midfield at all. Callum, one thing one thing I did think we lacked, especially when it came to winning the ball back in our own half, which happened a lot in the second half and we were quite wasteful when we did win the ball back, didn't have that kind of maturity and calm that someone like Matty Jensen would have probably provided had he not been injured. I want to talk to you specifically about Frank Onyeka because I know you're a big fan of his. Um, me and Craig, I wouldn't say I was a fan, but I've kind of indifferent about him saw a tweet from bfcb's blog which i think summed it up pretty perfectly so shout out to you mate out he said outstanding in ball recovery and tackles but he can't pass for toffee fair assessment callum not at all absolutely <laughs> right i remember one pass in the second half where he was running forward on the right hand side uh had a good opportunity to put the ball into the box but obviously fluffed his lines completely now apart from that realistically i don't think he put a foot wrong with, with regards to his passing ability, um, let's call it 99% passing accuracy. There you go. What more do you want from a player? Um, now, if you look at him, he's 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 kicked on massively. He's, he's, he's a fantastic player in that midfield. I thought he put an outstanding display in against some top quality players on, on Saturday. And Frank's got a decision now. You know, who with players coming back... Um, Got to touch upon Damsgaard as well, making a return in the B team yesterday, uh, the reserve team. So he's got some headaches coming up. And uh, obviously Jensen to come back, who's going to play. But no, I think he put a good performance in Frank and he comes away with a 99% passing accuracy. So uh, he did well. I think Frank Onyeka is like Marmite. For, I've never seen a, a player split opinion so much because that tweet, it's got it's got loads of replies. Some people saying he's just not good enough for the Prem. Some people saying he was our best player. Arsenal fans saying he was 
unplayable. He was Brentford's best player. And I was just thinking, are we watching the same game? Because and I, I, I completely agree with the tweet. In terms of his defensive work, he is really good. He's good, at get, he's good at winning the ball. He's good in the press. He's good in his tackle success. But Craig, I just... I, I do not understand Callum whatsoever. <laughs> I, I think I think he's one of the most hot and cold players that we've got. Where he'll have in and this is this is not over the season hot and cold. This is over ninety minutes hot and cold. Where he can fly into challenges and like you've mentioned, his ball recovery is is brilliant. But as soon as he gets the ball at his feet. He's like a deer in headlights. Like, for me, it looks like he doesn't know what he wants to do with the ball at his feet. That that chance that you mentioned, Callum, where the ball's gone out to him on the right-hand side, jokingly, I stand next to my old man at the football, jokingly, my old man's gone, no, Frank. And he's tried to cross the ball and it's gone straight into Ramsdale's arms. It Actually, I'm not even going to consider it a cross. He passed it back to Ramsdale. He's the most hot and cold player. Ball recovery, unreal. Probably, probably up there with the best ball recovery. But as soon as the ball's at his feet, <laughs> it's just, it just seems to switch off for me. It poses some some important questions for for Luton, and we will get onto that. Callum, any any closing remarks on Anyeko? I know it's funny, kind of watching Craig speak and seeing the facial expressions from Callum. <laughs> May as well vote in Player of the Season right now, boys. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you're, I'm you're joking. Mental, no, he's he's he's. Look, I think he's. I think we've got to look at how he's come on over the past month or two. We had a lot of doubters. He played a game early in the season. A lot of people were were fully against him even being in the squad. And he, and he's one of these players who's taken his opportunity um, and kicked on massively. So, all credit to him. Hopefully, he can stay injury free now problem we have with him is obviously another player going off to the African Cup of Nations so obviously that's going to be a big issue uh, we're going to miss him massively so thank well, God kick on, kick on Frank <laughs> yeah you've, you've got one month boys of not hearing about Frank Ornjeka so you know I'll be watching you Frank I'll be watching you we support you you should, you should start like a Twitter fan page or something Callum do not tempt me boys do not tempt me do not tempt me <laughs> anyway I, we, we talk about the game specifically in terms of chances I've got mixed feelings about Brian's chance in the first half when he just possesses Ramsdale and we'll talk about Ramsdale in a hot topic a little bit but part of me is thinking why the hell hasn't he squared it to Norgard who would have a tap in there's also a part of me that's thinking as a striker take those on and try and score. But I guess, Craig, the caveat with that is if you take it on, you better fucking score. <laughs> and he doesn't. <laughs> in, in in this situation, it seems like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you don't pass it and we don't score, and then if you do shoot, we don't score. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a, as a striker, any one of us in that situation, we don't pass the ball. As a striker, we don't pass the ball. We, we try and get a shot away. And Declan Rice has done well to get back onto the line and, and clear the ball away. Um, I just think that, yeah, we should have scored it, but it's one of those things where they, they recover. Declan Rice recovers really quickly from a Ramsdale fluff up. So, yeah, should have scored it. But, I mean, if he'd have squared it and Norgard's missed, we'd be saying, why is the fuck has, has he squared the ball? Why hasn't yeah. he shot? So, I just think it's one of those things, mate. On another day, on another day, we'd have, we'd have scored it anyway and we'd be having a different conversation, but that's football. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, I don't think Norgard would have missed, to be fair. I mean, in terms of... I'm trying to remember the last time Norgard had like a, a sitter or he missed a, he missed a sitter, sorry. Uh, he scored against Forrest, didn't he? 
nor God. But um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think he would have missed. And even if Brian had scored, I think the the flow because it was quite early on in the game. I think the flow of the game would have been very different. I don't know if we'd have gone on to win. I the touched game. upon that, Mike. I said that to to uh, to someone standing next to me on on Saturday. I said the flow of the game with how we were playing. We were very defensively minded. Obviously, we we were keeping them at bay. But you feel that was the one really only major opportunity we had in that first half period. If we scored that, I think Arsenal come back, I hate to say it, and probably score two goals in the second half. I, I'm not, not nothing against our defence. I just think the players they had coming off the bench, the creativity they had on the pitch at the time, I feel that they could have they could have found a way around us. I just think, you know, us missing that in some ways probably kind of helped the situation, obviously. And, you know, they. I just think... One touching upon how he missed it, I think, I just think he kind of showed Declan Rice too much where he was going to try and put the ball. Um, you know, that was the major issue there. I think we can't fair play to Declan Rice. Might you touch upon it? He put a fantastic display in. He showed some really big passion on on that pitch on Saturday. You know, he's he's a quality player. Will go and do big big things. I'm sure. It went, and um, but yes, he telegraphed it just slightly too much in Buemo. But listen, you know. Disappointing, but kick on to Saturday. Kick on to Saturday. Yeah, true. Craig, I want to get your thoughts, a couple of thoughts. First on Wiss's performance. Second on if you think it's time Neil gets a start ahead of him in one of these big games against the top six, because I do think Neil will start against Luton. But in terms of the big games that we've played, he didn't start against Chelsea, didn't start against Liverpool, and he didn't start against Arsenal, even though I would say... <coughs> He hasn't done much wrong. I mean, against Arsenal, I put a tweet out and I said Neil had to start in that game because he's not going to get any kind of joy against Gabriel and Saliba in terms of his pace because he's just not quick enough. Uh, if you start him and he can hold the ball up and combine with Mbumo a little bit better than Witter, I thought, was doing, um, it might have been a different score on it. And it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a stretch, but just what did you think of Witter's performance and what do you think about Neil? So <laughs> we had a bit of a laugh and a joke when, when Neil came on and he came on, what, 75th, maybe 80th minute? Round he up. came quite late in the game. And you're thinking, oh, man, there's got to be some tired legs out there. And he was still being outpaced by Saliba and Gabriel. And it was just, it was, he's a fan favourite. He can hold the ball up well, but he has no pace. He has yeah. no pace about him whatsoever, which is why... In games where we play back five, back three, whichever way you look at it, we will start with Brian and Whistler up top because they're quick players. They will beat a man and they will get beyond that last defender, which is why they start ahead of Neil because he just can't do that. Uh, and that's yeah. not based on his ability. That's just based on his pace. He can't beat that last man. Again, I mean, I thought, I thought Whistler pressed really well on Saturday. I thought he pressed the ball really well. He made the defenders work for it. He just got a bit tired as the game went on and that pressing sort of slowed down a little bit. I, I don't think he did anything exciting, but he didn't do anything wrong, in my opinion. It was just one of those games where he went about his business and did what he had to do as far as the game would let him. Yeah, I think um, we all thought that that Neil chance would have gone in, Callum. I don't know what, what your view was like, but I was watching on the, on the telly in Leeds and... I, I don't know how it stayed out. It's another amazing block by an Arsenal player, but that would have been some moment for Neil to come on and score against Arsenal. I saw like as soon as he came on, 
Well, he, when I was looking back on the game, as soon as he came on, all the Arsenal fans are tweeting, if we let this guy score, it's the end of our club. But uh, <laughs> what was your what was your thoughts on that chance? Because he got up well to to kind of get above Tommy Asu. Um, mm. And then Sinchenko just gets back to make that, that block on the line. Yeah, massively. I couldn't do anything differently, in my opinion. You know, it was... Uh, it was with some good pace, uh, and I'm just you know you just look at it and just say one day it goes in the back of the net, another day you get an absolute blind of a clearance like that. And Zinchenko, fair play to him, got on got on the line and and cleared it away from danger. So you know you got to look at the positive as you touch upon there. You know he he beat Tommy Tommy Asu to the ball. Uh, you know it wasn't the easiest of chances for him, I don't think. And you know. He really wanted that goal again. You know, he's he's created opportunities for himself. I still say there he, he can still kick on, score a few goals this season. Um, you know, I still feel he could have possibly have started on Saturday. Um, you know, I you know, yes, he he he, he lacks that bit of pace. But I feel he offers. I actually feel at times he offers a bit more than Wisser. Um, you know, just that. That player on the pitch that can wind the opposition up, like Arsenal, they get wound up so easily as a, as a team. As when things aren't going their way, you've seen their players lose their heads. You've seen Arteta lose their head, his head in particular. The, the kind of player to do that is Neil Morpé. Like yeah. he will wind any opposition up. I compare him to, to Alan McCormack at times. You know, he finds a way of doing these niggly little things, and. Any other player would get a booking, but Neil Morpay wouldn't get a booking. You know, it's it, you know, I just I just feel he would have been the kind of player just to cause that little bit of a stir in that Arsenal back line, wind them up a bit, delay the kickoffs here and there. You know, but we, you know, there's plenty of times to see Morpay this season, and I think you know, there's there's going to be other players coming in. King Lewis Potter, I think it's great to see him get back in that team, and hopefully he'll get some opportunities now. Kick on. Gives us another option up front. We haven't seen that yet. So, you know, options to come. So good to see. Good to see that happen. And hopefully more pay will get a start on Saturday and hopefully go and kick on and get a goal or two. So fingers crossed. Yeah, it's good that you mentioned um King Lewis Potter being back. I should have we should talk about that as well as the I've just completely forgotten that we have Kevin Sharder, who's been out injured as well, who was one of our best players at the start of this season. The injury list is so long. We've got Mikko Damsgaard returning as well. Come January, when we have these players back and we have Ivan again, hopefully, now that it's looking, he probably won't move. Although I did see a rumour earlier that Real Madrid could be after him. <laughs> don't know how much truth there is in that one. But um, if it's going to be anyone, let's, let it be let it be Madrid. Let it be them. Yeah, let it be them. Uh, any complaints with, with their goal, Craig? I, I mean, don't want to put, I'm, not, I'm not saying it was Fleckin's fault. I don't think it, it was quite a difficult one for him to deal with, with Havertz, the way he rose and kind of head, heads it down. It makes it difficult. If you're a goalkeeper, you kind of have to stand with your legs shut, which is just never going to happen. So, any complaints? From from me, no. Um, I know we was going to move on to the, the quietness of Twitter after this game. However, I did have a couple of discussions on, on social media about Flecken's performance on Saturday because people were still blaming him for the defeat. I will I will side with them and say that their, their first goal, which was chalked off, he should be doing so much better with that initial header. That should be going over the crossbar. There is no way it should be going straight up or back into play. He should be doing better this one. And he got let off the hook with it being disallowed by VAR. Now, that aside, he was not at fault for the goal. And I'm struggling to find ways in which people are blaming him for that. He's done everything right, in my opinion. And I posted, I posted some stuff on Twitter 
I don't know if you've seen it or not, with other goals that other goalkeepers have conceded, which are of the similar nature. But because it's Fleck and people seem to think that it's it's his fault, it's him, it's it's not. The game moves so quickly and it's hard for a fan from one end of the pitch to the other in West Ham to judge the flight of the ball going across the goal and then it going straight back in the other direction against the goalkeeper. It's, it's difficult for anyone. It doesn't matter what position you play. Defenders struggle with it coming over and then going back. You see them getting wrong-footed all the time. But because it's a goalkeeper... It's a mistake. It's it's not a mistake. He didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't a good goal. It was just a goal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well said. I think I think one big difference, and there are many differences between Flecken and David Rea, um, but one big difference that I've noticed that's quite stark is that Flecken doesn't command his box in the same way that David Rea does. I'm struggling to think of a time when he's come out and he's collected it. But maybe that's just testament to how good David Rea was at sort of when you're up against it and you're under pressure and a cross comes in, he will come and he will get that ball, even though he was prone to a clangor at times by dropping it or doing something stupid. But that's that's one thing I've noticed about Flecken's game that, that he doesn't have as opposed to David Rea, Craig. Yeah, I, I do agree that, that Rea had that presence in, in his own box. There's no doubt about that. But there are a few occasions that I can think of off the top of my head where Raya did make a mistake. Yeah. I mean, notably, two of them that come to mind off the top of my head is Hull away. Now, I know we won 5-1, irrelevant of the result. If anybody remembers that mistake, the ball's gone straight back to him. It's gone under his foot and, and they're back in the game. At that point, they were back in the game, but it didn't go that way. And the second one is Middlesbrough away. <laughs> Again, we won. So the result, it didn't affect the result. But he's come to punch the ball and completely missed it. And it's gone in the back of the net. I remember at the time that these things happened, people were calling for him. Get him off. Start. I can't even remember who our subkeeper was at the time. I, Daniels. Luke Daniels. Start Daniels. Start Luke Daniels. Start in the next game. I remember the grief that Raya got. Now, Flecken is 30, which was pointed out to me. He's 30 years old. He's a mature enough goalkeeper that he should be commanding his box a bit different, but a bit better maybe. But I will defend his case continuously until he does something which is a genuine mistake. I will, I will back him. He's only played 10 games in the Premier League because he's missed two and a half games. Being West Ham, United and Burnley, he missed two and a half games. He's con- th- 13 other teams in the Premier League have conceded more goals than Flecken has. And someone on Twitter had the gall to label him as the worst goal I saw that. in the Premier League. I saw that. <laughs> and this is a Premier League with Andre Onana. <laughs> I refuse to believe he's the worst goalkeeper in the Premier League. And I will back him until the day he makes a genuine mistake. Anything to add, Callum? I actually think he commanded his box very well on Saturday. I'm, I'm glad you've given me the opportunity to uh, to say that. <laughs> um, no, I think, listen, boys, look, there was a lot of opportunities in that second half. All right, first, OK, their disallowed goal. Yes, I feel he should have done better with that one. That could have been a big, big mistake, Craig, I think. If that was to be allowed, that goal, obviously disallowed with, with, with a run-up to the goal, I think that could have been described as quite a big mistake because it was a relatively easy chance to, to save the ball from the, from the from the initial header from from Jesus. He should have saved that. 
a lot easier. Tipped it over the bar, caught it, whatever. Don't care. But in the second half, I noticed he actually commanded his box a lot better. Now, from what I've seen with him in the past, he's not comfortable catching the ball. Obviously, Raya was much more capable of doing that. He felt a lot happier doing it. Um, but there was a difference with him in the second half. He was he came out, caught the ball two or three times in difficult situations. So I want to see more of that. Their back line was quite a tall back line setting with what they had on on, on Saturday Arsenal with Gabriel, uh, namely one of the players who was on the pitch. So I'd say he actually commanded his box very well in that second half, to be honest. You feel free to look back, boys. Honestly, I, I actually feel he did a very good job. So listen. You've got to kick on now. You've got to go and do a bit more of that on Saturday. Luton, I don't think are going to create too much, but when they do get that opportunity, they are going to make it very difficult. So we've got to make sure he commands his box well, talks to his back line, and hopefully keeps a clean sheet. From it. Yeah, I think maybe just the reason I said that is just the Newcastle kind of blunder. The one that got disallowed kind of just sticks out of memory, maybe just because it led to, well, it was a disallowed goal, but the one where he kind of mm. just flaps it and doesn't get anywhere. But mm. yeah, long. I, I don't want to try try and slag him off or anything. I'm just trying to be kind of a little bit neutral and, and point out some differences between Raya and Flecken. Um, but you know, Raya's they're, not they're different less. goalkeepers. It, different goalkeepers. They're totally different goalkeepers. It's like comparing apples and oranges, mate. They're, they're two totally different goalkeepers. The whole playing style is different. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's let's go on to hot topic. Speaking of goalkeepers, unless there's anything else from from the Arsenal game, you two wanted to add him. I, I do actually just want to add one more part. It's a very quick part. And I think it's it's to do around injuries and things like that. People keep saying that the big six and whatnot have the biggest injury problems in the Premier League. I posted a tweet, Mike. I know you saw it. Um, nine players. Nine players we had out. I'm including Ivan Tony being suspended. We had nine first-team players out. Rico Henry, Nathan Collins, Aaron Hickey. I'm including Matt Droslev because he plays a part of the first team, obviously. Matty Jensen, Mikael Damsgaard, Josh De Silva, Kevin Sharder, and Ivan Tony. Those are nine players that would feature on a match day. 100% would feature on a match day. Our squad, if we can keep everyone in January, moving forward is going to be totally different. We have a totally different second half of the season to look forward to than what we've played already because it's going to be basically another new team anyway. Yeah, so no. the results that we're the results that we've had and the results that we're gonna get leading up to the point where we get these nine players back, ten if you include uh, Pert Harris, eleven if you include uh, Lewis Potter back up to his full speed. Once we get these players back to full fitness, we've got a totally different team again, totally different team. So I don't think that I don't think that the results that we've had necessarily need to be worried about so much because we yeah. all know. We've got so much talent coming back into the team. So I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. I'm not worried with this. Uh, at the moment, I think the team are doing... Um, I think we were spoiled last season with with how we played, how we... I would say overachieved in some ways. I think the club always believed they could do well. But, you know, you've got to look at it and say, you know, the teams in there who struggled last year are doing much better. Some teams are overachieving again as well. Um, so, look, we're, we're not going to go down. I said this at the start of the season. We're not going to go down. I've never been concerned. And I hope this doesn't bite me bite me in the neck. But I, we're not going down. We will get to comfortably the points tally we should get around February or March. We will be safe. 
that'll be the end of that. And then hopefully, as you say, Craig, we could kick on and, you know, we could go and maybe go and win a few more games in the second half of the season. Some big, big players to come back. Hopefully, the Ivan Tony situation is sorted as well. And, you know, I'm still fully believing that he will stay with Brentford Football Club. You know, we've just let him jet off to the F1 in Abu Dhabi. Like, what other clubs would do that, eh? Honestly. So, I think he's uh, been on holiday more times in the last like six months than I have been in my whole life. Every time, <laughs> well, I, every time right. I look at his it's Instagram still, stories, it's somewhere different. There and everywhere, really. <laughs> I, I just, I just want to, just want to say, I wasn't saying that I was worried about the possibility of us going, going down or even oh, getting dragged into any of that. It was more worried with the injuries and the number of injuries that we had. I mean, looking back to the Burnley game, we had 13 first team players out, including the goalkeepers. We had an 11 versus an 11 with bloody substitutes. So it wasn't a. I was never. I'm never worried about us going down. I think we're good enough. And again, hope it doesn't come around to bite me in the ass. But I think we're good enough. And there are other teams which are worse off than we are. But it's the number of injuries that we have had. Players coming back now, and we're going to be moving into a different direction, a different style of football, back to what we saw last season, based on the availability of players that we will have. Yeah, on on that note, I read a really nice piece in The Athletic the other day about why there have been so many injuries this season in the Premier League. So I thoroughly recommend anyone with an interest in that kind of thing to go and listen to that. But you're right, it is going to be like come sort of January, February time when these players start coming back. Obviously, we won't see Rico Henry for for a long time, but it will be like the start of a new season with some of the players we've got coming back. I just, the, the Shard has just like completely left my mind. I, I saw him post on Instagram the other day and I was just completely forgot that he played for Brentford. <laughs> um, it's just like he, he was he's so exciting he's one of those players that you really look forward to going down on a Saturday and watching just because of how how much flair he's got let's um let's go on to hot topic I thought we'd talk about Arsenal this week because we just played them specifically Ramsdale obviously a very very shaky performance against us last Saturday Callum I know you're not Ramsdale's biggest fan I remember the rant that you had on the podcast a few weeks ago about him although there wasn't too much shithousery on on Saturday just purely because I think he just didn't have the bottle to do it after his kind of after his performance. How would you assess the current goalkeeper situation at Arsenal, Callum? Uh, no, it's embarrassing. I'll tell you, his dad didn't help his story the other week. I mean, him coming out and saying Arteta could have dealt with the situation a lot better. Now, that for me, you know, is stupidity. I mean, like, you, you, you have put so much pressure on your son. You know, he knew he was going to have to play a big game coming up. And, you know, he, he caused him to go and play like that. You know, he never looked comfortable on the ball. Um, I, never th- I never thought he looked comfortable in the League Cup game against us. What's best for Ramsdale now is he gets out of Arsenal Football Club um, in, you know, either January or, or in, you know, in the summer window after the Euros. Because realistically, Arteta has moved on. Raya has effectively now signed, according to uh, Fabrizio. Uh, Romero, who everyone knows so much, including Trevor from the GPG. So, yeah, yeah, well done, mate. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, you know, for me, Ramsdale, get out, mate, get out. I mean, he, he he did never look comfortable. And, you know, in some ways, I hope that ball went in the back of the net because that really would have shushed him up, I'd say. Because, you know, he loves to give all this and all that. And realistically, you know, he, he just, he looks... He looks a nothing player at the moment. He looks absolutely nothing. And I'll tell you what the most embarrassing thing was, was the reaction from the Arsenal players at the full-time whistle. I mean, what the plug? Yeah, player. All right, you put him into a scenario like that at City away, 
City are not going to let down those chances. No way. No way in hell. And I, honestly, I just think it's ridiculous. Arteta coming out after and saying, oh, you know, Ramsdale did this, Ramsdale did that. It's all nonsense. Arsenal deserved the win. You know, I don't think that's 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 true necessarily either. So, you know, Ramsdale, ah, nothing, mate. Nothing. Like, you know, you, again, next time you're going to play is in the FA Cup and then then you're going to play against us in 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 April, March or April when we play you next. So I look forward to it, mate. So, yeah. yeah. They, right. they, they, they reacted to him like when you're at school and that one kid who doesn't want to go in goal makes a really good save and they all go and celebrate around him. It was, it was quite embarrassing really to see. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> Callum, you said the same thing on the, on the last podcast about how he's only going to play in the FA Cup. What, what, what if it is just like a kind of, because it, it's such a weird one because he signed a new contract with Arsenal last season. Right. And then, and then they bring in David Raya in the, well, they bring in David Raya on loan. What if this is a coup by Arsenal and they, they've extended his contract, they get £40 million for him in January, they sell a couple of other players and then they've bypassed FFP and they can put in £100 million bid for Tony in January, Craig? If they want to pay £100 million for Tony, they can take him. If they want to pay £100 million, <laughs> let them pay £100 million if that's the way they're going to buy. But all I'm going to say is don't let them get him on loan for £3 million and then pay 97 <laughs> the next year. <laughs> they want to pay hundred million pound for Ivan Tony. I would buy for hundred million pound up front. No yeah. one is paying that kind of money for Ramsdale at the moment, though, Mike. I tell you, goodness gracious me, I tell you, I wouldn't even touch him. Wouldn't even touch him. Yeah, there is, I'd... there's a good goalkeeper in there. We all know there's a good goalkeeper in there. He was outstanding for them over the last couple of seasons before Ram. Before nah, disagree, disagree. He cost them. He cost them. He cost them the league last season. Realistically, he created a lot of mistakes in that team. Yeah. Which, if he had he a, if he had a better player in there. Realistically, every I'm telling goal, you now. Look, if he wasn't in goal, every goalkeeper does make mistakes, but he made a lot Allison, more mistakes. Didn't Allison just this weekend gone against City give the ball away in his own penalty area or just around the edge of his own penalty area, which they've then gone and scored from? I bet Liverpool fans aren't then calling for his head. You can't, you can't put the whole of their bottle last season down to Ramsdale. I was looking at, I was looking at a, a screenshot earlier of their results in that last kind of 10 games and drew against us, lost to Man City, drew against West Ham, drew against Southampton. They threw it away. And, and some of them, so, some mistakes were made by Ramsdale, but you can't put it solely on him, Callum. Do you think Do you think things would have been different if our offside goal against them had actually been disallowed and they won that game? Do you think things might have been different? It doesn't even matter. They gave the goal at the end of the day, Craig. So... <laughs> All right, let's uh let's move on. I think I got a couple of clips there for Instagram. <laughs> let's let's move on. Let's go into Luton. Craig, how are you feeling ahead of Saturday? I'm I'm quite confident. I've just spoken to a Luton Town podcast, um, which will be up tomorrow, by the way, and I'd thoroughly recommend you give that a listen because it was actually really enjoyable. More so just speaking to a club that have a very similar story to us and are happy to be there, like the same way we were happy to be there in the first season of the Prem and very grounded. So yeah. Definitely look out for that one. That'll be up tomorrow evening. But Craig, how are you feeling ahead of Saturday? Well, I just, just want to make sure that you managed to get a word in against that Luton fan like Liverpool last I did. Time. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> it was a two-way conversation this time. <laughs> um, I think I'd be lying if I said I wasn't confident. Um, the performance against Arsenal wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad performance. And if we put in a performance like that against Luton, I can see us coming away with three points. Um 
there could be a possibility where we scrape by it because they're going to be a team that will sit back. We, it's one of those rare occasions where we're going to have the majority of the ball. It's just whether or not we can break them down. Like we touched upon already, I think we go back to a 4-3-3 and Malpe comes back in. Um, and this would be a game I might mix it up a little bit. I would give Wissler a rest and I'd start Michael Wallagikbe on one of the sides. Him, Brian and Malpe up top. I would even consider starting Yamo again in the middle um, with Norgard. That means, that means we've got to drop on Yaka Callum. Disappointing. Disappointing, <laughs> lads. But Listen, I'm telling you now, Onyeka's going to score on Saturday if, he's, if he plays. Simple as you that. said that the last yeah. time. Look, I'm telling you now, I'm going to go and do what season. that... Q- I'm doing that bet which that QPR fan does every week with Lyndon Dyke scoring. He puts a £2 bet on every week till until Lyndon Dyke scores. So, you know, I'm starting it now. Onyeka, £2 on Onyeka to score on Saturday. It's going to happen. Listen, I can see it being a You're bit of a banana You're going to be down 60 quid at the end of the season. Well, mate. I know, quite <laughs> right. Quite, well, luckily there's, luckily, there's not that many games to go. But, um, look, I think it's good. I actually feel it's a bit of a banana skin for us on Saturday. Like, you know, I compare this game to Norwich a few seasons ago when we lost 2-1 at home. And Norwich, and obviously, Luton have won already this season. But Norwich hadn't won up to that point against us. And they came to us. We couldn't break them down. We were we had no idea how to play them. And they came and, and beat us 2-1 at our place. And honestly, I remember the frustration in the ground that day. You know, supporters weren't weren't happy with the performance. You know, Luton are a different different team, but you know, we're gonna I think we I think we're really gonna I actually think we're gonna struggle. I think it's gonna be a close game. I cannot see us Beating them seven 0 like we did in the championship. I mean, flip, honestly, that was that was a that was a one for the books. But I can see it being a really tight game on Saturday. I'm I'm not looking forward to it. I'm really not looking forward to it. I think you know they're going to be up for it. They can see this as I actually think they can see this as a winnable game. They've just beaten Crystal Palace as well in some great fashion with that late goal. They'll be high on confidence. You know we've lost two in a row now. Uh, you know, they're going to be up for it. They are going to be up for it. So I just, I just think we need an early goal. I say this a lot. We need that early goal. Calm the nerves. Calm the nerves of the fans. And then we know Luton have got to attack us. That will create some open spaces on that pitch. And, and then that's where we can capitalise. So, yeah, it's it's going to, I'm going to be nervous, really nervous on Saturday. I, I, think, I think the fact that they've won a couple of games makes me more confident going into this. Because if, like when we play Sheffield United... Sheffield, Sheffield have, they, have they won a game? Have they won a game this season? Uh, yeah, they won a game a few weeks ago. Which, which makes me nervous going there because they've won once this season. Makes me nervous thinking that's going to be one we're going to slip up at. But the fact that Luton have won a couple of games recently, you know, they're coming off of the back of the win. We're coming off the back of two defeats, Callum. You mentioned, but those those two defeats have been Liverpool away and Arsenal at home, of which neither have been a bad performance. We haven't been we haven't been beaten by these teams and battered by them. Yeah, we lost we lost three 0 at Anfield, but they didn't they didn't walk us over the park. You know, it was it was a good game. We just got we got done by the better team that day, but we didn't play badly. And the fact that Luton are coming 
off the back of this win, their confidence is going to be high. I know their confidence is going to be high, but I feel like this is an opportunity for us to get them while they're on riding on that wave. It's an opportunity for us to get in there and just get the job done. I don't care if we win 1-0. I don't care if we win 7-0. We just need to get that win back. As I say, performers we've done over the last two games, I'm sure, I'm touching wood, I'm sure we'll be all right. Callum, we, we play Luton in the first of <clears throat> two games, quick succession. Obviously, you mentioned Brighton at the top of the show and then we travelled to Sheffield United. As Craig just mentioned, it would be a very good way to start these three games with a win, especially I'm looking at that Brighton game. And I know Thomas Frank said in an interview earlier in the season, and he said he really looks forward to when we play Brighton. Having gone to Brighton last season, I'm really not looking forward to it because I don't know how the how we drew there. That was a, that was a smash <laughs> and grab. That was a smash and grab point because they were all over us the whole game. But having said that, watching Brighton this season, they don't look like the side they were last season. But final thoughts going into Luton, Callum. Is it important mm-hmm. that we get three points? Well, obviously it's important, but final thoughts. Massively. Put in a good performance, score a few goals and and then kick on for what is a quite busy week uh, following Brentford Football Club. So, you know, I three points. And then I would say, listen, I think we've got to get at least five points over the next, uh, in my opinion. Um, I think we could come away undefeated. I, I think Saturday, I think we should win, but it's going to be nervous. There's going to be nerve-wracking, I imagine. I think Brighton is going to be a very, very entertaining game. I, I actually, I actually always enjoy going to Brighton. There's only been a couple of times when we've gone there, and you know we've not played well at all. Last year, yes, we got very lucky, very, very lucky with with the, with the point. But it's going to be entertaining at Brighton, and then Sheffield United again. Let's just not lose. I think if we get five points out the next three games, I would be personally very happy with that. I'm sure others would say otherwise, but. Five points, a good position over the 20-point mark. We kick on into a very busy December period and then obviously a little break in January as well with the winter break. So let's just keep going. Let's keep going, boys. Let's get some more points and kick on for the second half of the season. I think Luton will become the second team that we have played in League Two, League One, the Championship and the Premier League with Bournemouth being the other one, I believe. So that's a fun fact for you to finish on. <laughs> like Stato, fucking hell. <laughs> You've been doing uh, your research, Craig. You've been doing your research. Mate, I must I just say, though. I want to just say, credit where it's due to Luton, it's been a meteoric rise. Um, and you mentioned that they want to emulate what we've done in the Premier League with the stability that we've had over the two and a half seasons that we've been in the Prem. I, I hope they stay up because it will be one hell of a story. And and with the other teams around them, I don't see any reason why they can't stay up. But let's just hope they don't do anything interesting this weekend and we, we can come away with three points. 100%. Uh, I like that you mentioned Brighton. Uh, I think that it's always such a great away day at Brighton. By the sea, good away end. I always remember one away day where Scott, was it Scott Hogan? He scored a brace within the first we kind of... Two nil, didn't we? We finished 2-0, didn't finished 2-0, yeah. yeah. Scott oh. Hogan, I'll tell you, I remember very well. We were not expecting to go and win at that place. No. Brighton were flying high at the time. We were struggling away from home. I'm Does pretty it? sure that was our first away win of the season, actually, up to that point. Um, and we went there and won 2-0. Honestly, it was a fantastic performance. I remember it very, does, um, very well. Does, does anyone remember the John Terrell miss? 
Do you know what? I oh, wish you would no, I wish you weren't gonna mention you. that, Craig. I knew you were gonna say that. I knew you were gonna say that. I'm still wondering to this day how he bloody missed that chance. I tell you, honestly, everyone was celebrating, expecting that ball to go in the back of the net. And he, I don't know. I don't know what happened, to be honest with you. But um, anyway, you saw what happened after he left us anyway. Went he, he went to Birmingham and it all went tits up for him after that. So you can see why. Story similar to happened. similar to Onyeka, I, I think John Terrell was a bit like Marmar. I actually really liked him whenever he played. Uh, but you're right, the, the careers, both of the careers of John Terrell and Scott Hogan. I mean, he's at Birmingham City now, but when we sold him to was it Villa for like ten mil or something like that? That's right. Yeah, big, sold big, him to Villa for big, ten big, mil. Big yeah. pressure, massive. He had a massive injury, and that obviously set him back massively. But he he fancied joining the old Brentford squad back at Birmingham. Birmingham, but um, you know, I you know, I always look at these players and I always wish them the best of luck. Um, you know, a lot of players have over the years have created something to the rise of our club. So you know, I always like to see, especially Hogan, he created a lot for us over his over his time from when he signed from Rochdale. So you know, hopefully he kicks on for the last few years. But oh. no, we, I, I knew we were going to touch upon it. But you know, Ogbené on Saturday, I'll tell you, oh, goodness, yeah. you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him. I met him once on a tube train going to QPR away. He was there with his missus. I'd say, what a cracking guy. He came from He came from a very, I think, was it Limerick or something like that in, Limerick, in, yeah, in yeah. Ireland? Um, and we signed him for next to nothing. Broke through. I remember him, I, I'm, I'm pleased. I was going to put a bet on him, actually, to score at Nottingham Forest because that was where he made his debut for the, for, for the first team. He came on on, a, I think it was a Tuesday night or something like that. And I think... It, Henrik Dalsgaard scored a header. It was a one-nil win. I, I have oh, stupid memory. That. I have a stupid memory for these kind of games. I tell you. And um, he came on. <laughs> he scared their defence, honestly. And I knew we had a player in there, but the problem was, he, you know, he wanted to play. He wanted to play. Rotherham offered him the opportunity. He went to Rotherham. He kicked on. Did well there. And now he's getting his opportunity in the Premier League. And he was on a free transfer. It was a win-win for Luton. And he didn't start off. Obviously, playing very much of them, but then progressively moved his way into that starting lineup. And I tell you, he put a fantastic ball in for that winning goal on Saturday. So, all credit to him. You know, it, it proves you know you can start off as low as that. You know, in in the Irish in the Irish leagues, build your way up. Being fantastic for Brentford, giving him an opportunity, and fantastic to see him scoring and doing well for Luton in the Premier League. So, let's hope he doesn't come back to bite us. I tell you, I hope not. But um, no, full credit to him. Full credit. To him. I, I can just see, I can just see Callum celebrating in the West End if he scores still. Though I'm not, I'm, I'm not. Honestly, I'm going nowhere near that. I tell you, flip it. I'll, you know, I'll be like fair play to him if he scores, but not a chance. I'll celebrate if we're five 0 up or something like that, and he fancies banging <laughs> in as an absolute screamer. But no, other than that, not a chance. Not a chance. So. Callum, you got to stick twenty quid on on Yaka and Ogbeni to score. Oh, 20 quid, boys. Are you going to fund this? Can we get a, a fun page? Can we get a crowd fund going? Please, everyone. Uh, but uh, I'll put a couple of quid on Onyeka. As soon as I see him starting, I'll tell you, boys, Onyeka to score on Saturday. And you'll all be coming to me and saying, well done, well done. So, Onyeka, you know what to do, son. I'll be messaging you after this. You know <laughs> all right, mate. All right. I think that's a good way to uh, to wrap up the podcast. It's a good way to end. It's a good way to end. It's a good yeah. way to end. The Eden Red Podcast will be back tomorrow with that Luton preview, which was a lot of fun, like I mentioned, uh, sort of halfway through the show. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for that one. Phil from the We Are Luton Town podcast. He was great. Uh, great speaker. Very knowledgeable. 
gave gives the lowdown on the Hatters some danger players. Obviously, or Benny features in that, but they do have some good players all over the pitch, and their results, whilst they haven't picked up the points, a lot like us in the sense that they've played quite well in all those games and the games that they've lost. The losing margin hasn't been that big, so look out for that one. And we'll also be back next week to obviously go over the Luton game and preview Brighton in midweek. Remember, guys, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, please do share it around with your mates. Give us a subscription on YouTube and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating as well. I've noticed that we have quite a, quite a few people listening every week, but we don't have the ratings on Spotify that match that. So please, if you listen on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcast, give us five stars because why the hell not? And also, if you're listening or watching on YouTube, rather, like the video, subscribe, all of that jazz, and we shall see you next week. Cheers, boys. Tenth time they've made it. They've won a playoff campaign, and they've done it at Wembley. And for the first time in 74 years, Brentford will play in the top flight of English football. And Podcast Network.